TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Welcome back to Maggie and Perloff. We're here, Radio Row, Mandalay Bay. It's all happening. And Perloff, we like to be even on the show. So if we interviewed a Kansas City Chiefs reporter, we want to get the 49ers point of view. Right. We don't want to be like the NFL and have a clear Chiefs bias. No, not us, not our show. David Lombardi is here. He covers the 49ers for The Athletic. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, it's great meeting both of you. Listen, you are in the middle of a firestorm. I mean, really a hailstorm. And that is the (laughs) conversation around Brock Purdy. Of all the people, and never thought it would get this heated, when you look at Purdy and the conversation around him, what's fair and what do you think is unfair when we talk about Brock Purdy? Well, like you said, this firestorm, to me, came out of nowhere in, in many ways. I'll tweet something after a game about Brock Purdy, and multiple national show talking heads will pick mm. it up. And for some reason, it's, it's this lightning rod. I don't know. It's because people might want he, – he must be drawing – a lot of clicks and and a lot of interest and a lot of views because otherwise I don't think people would be talking about him as passionately. But look at the the facts of this situation. Mm -hmm. You've got a very low draft pick, the lowest that that there could possibly be, pick number 262 at the helm of a good team. I get it. But all of the numbers, and I'm going deep into the efficiency numbers, top in NFL, historically good in some cases, right? I think the best comparison, and I wrote a big piece last week comparing this team to the greatest show on turf Rams, who are a little bit more pass forward. This team is obviously a little bit more run forward, but a lot of the efficiency numbers are like Kurt Warner's, and Kurt Warner is reminded of himself in Brock Purdy in many ways. Schematically, again, things are different. Physically, things are different, but the extent to which the 49ers are producing offensively has been staggeringly high to where I, I don't really think there should be a debate. You know, I think that this is a quarterback who's performing at a top level, and he's shocking everybody in doing that. I don't understand why that's such a polarizing thing, right? Normally, we've celebrated underdog stories. I think Here, it's this, controversial. I think uh, there's this idea out there that he throws a short pass to Debo or McCaffrey, and they do all correct. the work, Which I know he has a lot of air yards. But still, but Mahomes has a greater percentage of, of uh, yak yards than Purdy. Well, that's because Mahomes doesn't trust his receivers down. But <laughs> no, no, Mahomes in his MVP years had a oh. higher percentage of yak yards than Brock Purdy. But did Brock this year. Purdy, okay, just eyeballing, he doesn't really throw bombs. So how is he getting he did, all he, these yards? He he does. His he had a deep pass completion percentage of sixty four percent this yeah. year, and he threw, I would say, three or four times as many. I could look at the numbers. Uh, as Jimmy Garoppolo, who wasn't throwing downfield. So I think a lot of the Garoppolo stereotype follows mm. Purdy around. They, the 49ers' explosive pass rate was the second highest since 2000 this year. The highest since 2000 was the greatest show on turf Is Rams. part of the strategy to throw it off an opponent's face mask on those <laughs> long passes? <laughs> it's a great play. No, but so <laughs> it, you, it, I, I think there are a lot of stereotypes about the 49ers' yak and – it, the two top yak-generating teams in the NFL, the 49ers and the Chiefs, mm. it is a th- – th- that's the goal mm. in, in, in a- NFL offense these days. Teams aren't as good at tackling as they used to be. Mm. The, the training camp rules and, and the contact rules, if you can get the ball to playmakers in space, you're going to pick up points, pick up yardage. And any quarterback that is not facilitating yak – 
I don't think is doing a good job. And that's why Mahomes and Purdy at the top of the league right now. But go and watch the tape. They, they, they have been pushing the ball downfield. That's what has opened up this offense in a way that they didn't have it open before. David Lombardi is joining us from The Athletic. He covers the 49ers. We're talking about Brock Purdy right now and where to sort of put him on the spectrum of elite quarterbacks and, and how that's generated a lot of controversy. Or, oh, not controversy, more of like a lightning rod sports discussion. So I'm one of the people who this, I'll tell you, this part of the Purdy conversation is what bothers me, the MVP stuff. So that's where I was like, all right, it feels like, and you look at the metrics, that McCaffrey is definitely ca- carrying more than his share of the load. And, on the, and more than that, I thought that putting Brock Purdy in the MVP debate is doing that thing we always do, which is elevating a guy way before he might be worth it, hype, hype, hyping him up just to tear him down later if he doesn't live up to this standard. Like, he got the whole world in, in, a, in, two, in a year and a half in the NFL, and that, to me, never squared. Well, here's the thing. It, MVP is most valuable player. I think that Christian McCaffrey is definitely the best player on the 49ers. I think he might be the best player in the league. It then depends on what your definition or criteria for the MVP award is, and I think that's why it's gone to quarterback in 10 straight years now. Uh, My opinion this year has has been constant. They're both finalists, right? They're they're two and five finalists. I think Christian McCaffrey is the best player on the 49ers, but I also do think that Brock Purdy is the most valuable player on the 49ers. I think those are two different things. You saw it last year in the NFC Championship game. The, the, The minute that he goes out, the entire offense collapsed. You have to be, in this offense, you have to make quick decisions to distribute the football. And as much as anybody wants to say that point guard is a pejorative term, I don't think it is. I think that's the that's the role of the position. You have to be able to distribute, and if anybody could do it, then uh, the 49ers would have been a whole lot better with Nick Mullins and C.J. Beathard. That's you know, it's sure. funny about mm. that. David Lombardi is here. He covers the 49ers for the Athletic. We do this thing on Thursdays on the show called the Multiverse of Maggie and Perloff. We do a what if and a what could have been. We go back and, like, if one sliding door had happened this way or that, how would sports have been different? Last week we did, what if Trey Lance never got hurt? But uh, you just gave me an idea, David. Maybe we should have done, what if Josh Johnson had never got hurt in the (laughs) NFC Championship game and what would have happened there? But uh, Mm -hmm. It was already (laughs) ugly when he was in. If you remember, that was a big drop-off in the NFC Championship game. Yeah, I mean, I was at that game. The officials (laughs) were terrified of the Eagles fans. I'm an Eagles fan. (laughs) That that would have been a tough game for anybody. uh, But uh, what about Trey Lance, though? Would he have ever been able to do what Brock Purdy's doing? So do Niners people just look back on that as a mistake? I think, oh, I mean, Niners fans or, or, well, or no, no, Niners the, people? The front yeah. office, like, the Shanahan front. and John Lynch, do they say picking Trey Lance number three overall was a mistake? I, I think what, what they, uh, and the reason they built such a strong roster is they understand that the draft is a crapshoot, and the mm. draft is like throwing darts up at a board, and with your earlier picks, you're going to be closer to the dartboard, and with your later picks, you're going to be further away. But even with the earlier ones, you're not guaranteed to hit that bullseye. Yeah, and they, they paid m- a handsome price to try to get that close. Yeah, yeah and they got that close, and, and, and obviously – Trey Lance is not with the team anymore, but then they hit the bullseye standing further back. And one thing about them is that their accuracy rate with those fourth to seventh rounders has been really good, which is, I think, that's a different story. Testament to how well their scouting department and coaching staff works together. But, I mean, if you get tied up in one pick in the NFL, like, obviously it didn't work out. Like, I think everybody knows that. But if you get tied up, oh, my God, we, we lost all this draft capital in this one pick, I think you're losing picture of the big picture, which is... 
you, you, the, the, it is a crapshoot, and it's the aggregate that, that counts in the draft. I think that people look at the philosophy of that pick to have a running quarterback in that Shanahan offense. When you just said Brock Purdy's timing is the key, it's like they had. It seems like they had the wrong philosophy around their quarterback choice. So what? Here's Shanahan's always going to be. You have to throw first. You have to win from the pocket, and the legs are a bonus. He thought that Trey Lance playing in a pro-style system at North Dakota State. Uh, which was the closest to what the 49ers run mm. offensively. They were doing under center stuff. They were doing play action stuff. He thought that he would be moldable clay. He was very young. Yeah. He had only played a year. And Shanahan saw Trey Lance, and he's like, oh, my God. My dad coached John Elway. My dad coached Steve Young. These were two guys who had a lot of mm. athleticism but were moldable clay in that they were developed into pocket passers first. So they took a big swing. On Trey Lance, and I think a lot of other teams were interested in doing that as well, they took a big swing by trading up to because I think they thought, thought, thought the Falcons might pick him. I think the Falcons were right after the 49ers that year. And they thought that they, with development, working under Jimmy Garoppolo, what never was the plan to start him right away, would be able to turn him into that pocket passer mm. that could also run. It wasn't a running quarterback first, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. They thought that he had the potential to be that pro-style guy. Turns out that uh, maybe he, he could have developed, but then Brock Purdy showed up the next year. Yep, and here we are at and the Super Bowl. You know what's crazy is he can move, too. Uh, you know, he, he's got that burst, and you saw it in the NFC Championship game. So Shanahan now has the pocket-style quarterback that can also create out of structure in Brock Purdy. David, can't tell you how much we appreciate this. David Lombardi, love reading him in The Athletic uh, and covering the 49ers. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Appreciate you. Thanks. A lot of discussion about Brock Purdy, Mahomes, the quarterbacks in this matchup, and appreciate David Lombardi. I mean, here's I, I appreciate also that he wanted to go down the Trey Lance rabbit hole with yeah. us. Obviously, we got into that last week, and a lot of fans in California were really into that conversation, though. What if Trey Lance had never gotten hurt? Would the 49ers still be in the Super Bowl? And that was interesting from Lombardi saying Mike Shanahan yeah. had John Elway and had Steve Young, and that's what Kyle Shanahan, that's why he was so tantalized by the idea of Trey Lance. Do you believe, uh, Lombardi, that the Niners are okay with that huge swing and a miss in the draft? That was interesting to me basically said that teams are aware they're going to miss on right. draft picks. It's sort of a math game where you have to get 70% of them. But that was such a huge deal to move up. I actually think the fact that they're in the Super Bowl, I think they're okay with that. I well, mean, you can't yeah. argue with the success they've had. Yeah, because they went to the NFC Championship game last year and the Super Bowl this year, if they had not been enjoying this type of success, I think that's the kind of thing that rips apart front offices. That's the kind of stuff that gets people fired. I mean, it's it's. I know we're seeing it a little with the New York Jets and Joe Douglas, but it's rare to miss that badly on a quarterback as a GM or a coach and still get to keep your job. So it's a credit to the 49ers that they've overcome that, and Brock Purdy popping is the reason. Yeah, I mean, it's not the path that a GM normally would follow. Hey, I'm going to move up to number three, take a quarterback, and then a year later find the guy in the seventh round. Reminds me a little bit. Remember the Washington team took RG3, and Kirk Cousins. number two, and then they're <laughs> like, well, let's, let's take this guy in the fourth round to be his backup. And everyone's like, what are you doing? Drafted two quarterbacks. And of course it worked out where Cousins had the much longer shelf life than RG3. You know, another thing, and we're here on Radio Row Mandalay Bay Convention Center, it's a little bit of this Super Bowl is kind of a, I don't know, 
two ways to wildly and differently build your roster. Now, again, the 49ers got a little lucky mm. on this one that Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, who's making $800,000, ended up being so good. However, you have the Chiefs who are kind of doing this in a little bit more conventional way, right? You have Patrick Mahomes. His big contract takes up a lot of the salary cap, but he's an all-time great player, and you sort of build around that. Big, high-priced yeah, yeah. defensive end, you know, high-priced uh, tackle, you know, stuff like that. And then you have the 49ers who all of those things, tackles, defensive ends, but with a quarterback – that is not taking up any kind of money. And, you know, we talk about guys who draft quarterbacks all the time. Your Philadelphia Eagles drafted Jalen Hurts when they had already paid Carson Wentz. We talked about this with our boss at the time, Spike Eskin. He said if he was a GM, he would just draft quarterbacks all the time. Just keep drafting them so you never have to pay a guy. Right, so you can pay at other positions. Other positions. Brock Purdy wins the Super Bowl. I know he's in line after next year to get this big raise, but... Well, I mean, I think... First of all, this Chiefs thing, it's not like it's been that easy. They had to let Tyreek Hill go, sure. and their offense has slowed down. They had to let Orlando Brown go, a tackle, and their tackles are – they're an adventure. Their tackles are – who the heck knows what's going to happen on Sunday. Yeah. If they lose on Sunday, it's going to be easy. They have nine holes. So it's not like – I think that's why the Chiefs – if the Chiefs could have kept all their players, they would be a dynasty. They'd be the Pittsburgh Steelers. They would win four in a row. But so I do think you, you have a really good point. Paying Mahomes does affect what we're seeing on the field. Uh the Niners, uh, I think the Niners are like, the, I think everyone wants to copy the Niners when they're building a team, right? I heard that the Lions are the, the Lions, JB, I'm sorry, the Detroit Lions are particularly modeled after the Niners. Everyone is watching them and saying, wow, this is the best front office. Yeah. Uh, the Rams are now doing a lot of Niners stuff, too. I think the Niners have it figured out. Yeah, the Niners' investment on the defensive line has been massive, which is odd because they have trouble stopping the run well, which the, is which is weird especially lately that's not been a season-long problem that has been a more recent problem yeah i mean that's been weird that actually massive they paid javon hargrave 84 million this offseason i think that's been a failure that massive investment and chase young i think has been a failure too bringing him in from washington yeah so but their ability to find guys later in the draft is is pretty amazing i mean yeah listen debo was not a first rounder kittle was a fifth rounder McCaffrey was different. They did pay for him. But I, I think that's what if you if you can't get a cheap quarterback, then you better, as Lombardi said, you better hit in the later rounds. And they've been amazing at that. Eight five five two one two four CBS. Andrea is in the Bay Area, wants to jump on the line. Good morning, Andrea. How are you? Good. How are you doing? We're doing great. How are you feeling about your 49ers? Oh, pretty good, actually. I just did a podcast about them, and uh, I'm feeling pretty good. I like Brock Purdy. He's kind of um, the underdog in some way, you know, Mr. Irrelevant. And uh, his chances look really good. I think I mentioned Sun and Aquarius to his Mars, and that's really important for an athlete. Rules energy, assertion, and aggression. Uh, Jupiter, planet of expansion, abundance, to his Saturn, planet of career. So, uh, yeah, this is uh, what he's been waiting for. So I'm really liking um, his energy, and he's very humble. You know, we talked about Capricorn being understated, Virgo Moon being very humble. And to your point about Patrick Mahomes um, and Tom Brady, uh, Patrick is September 17, 1995, Tyler, Texas. And as you know, Tom Brady's a Leo, and um, they thrive on appreciation, Leo's, king of the Zodiac. And Patrick, they just asked him that question that you brought up about how would he feel about, you know, being called the GOAT, the greatest of all time. And he actually said he hadn't put a lot of thought into it. 
And I believe that. I think that he's really... Hey, Andrea, sorry to cut you off. What what sign is Mahomes? Mahomes is a Virgo. Okay. But yeah. I thought you just said that he, they want appreciation. So doesn't no, that mean... Tom. No, that's Leo. Oh, that's, that's Tom. Brady. So Tom Mahomes Brady. does not have it. Got it. Sorry. Yeah, no, Tom Brady, the king of the Zodiac, they thrive on appreciation. Got it. So Leos run that um, energy of really um, a little more flamboyant, a little more dramatic, certainly, um, liking to be the center of attention. Uh, we all know Brady, all yeah. about himself. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> funny, famous, famously, he was always the opposite, at least publicly. Uh, Andrew, what, so you said Mahomes is a Virgo? Yeah, September 17th, my Virgo birthday twin. Different year, but September 17th. And, uh, yeah, you know, it, he has a strong chart. Um, the only thing is, Neptune's opposing his son, which can be confusing. Mm. And you may have heard his dad was arrested on a DUI. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, the son is solar energy, rules the father, so he's dealing with that. Uh, but it sounds like his dad will be at the Super Bowl. Wow. And um, Patrick is having some positive Mars aspects, some vitality and self-confidence, but also some confusion mixed in. So I definitely want to mention kind of a mixed bag for him. But yeah. as Maybe a the general se- rule, secondary. Yeah, mm-hmm. as a Neither general secondary. Yeah, as a general rule, though, Virgos are very practical, down-to-earth, very meticulous, dutiful, humble, um, certainly disciplined. So he's got that, like, um, detailed energy. Um, And as we were saying, Leos, like, they thrive on attention and appreciation much more, um, you know, um, what's the word? They, They kind of need that domineering energy, almost a little um, superiority complex, kind of grandiose. Man, this is making me look at Tom Brady in a totally different light. (laughs) Andrea, thank you so much for the time. Enjoy your 49ers in the Super Bowl, right? I mean, Brady, the guy who is constantly humbled by Belichick, you know, Belichick in every film uh, film session saying Foxborough High School quarterback could have made that throw, not you. Never gave him the game ball. Uh, I'm not. Dis- I mean, I understand what Andrew's saying, but I think I buy the humble act with Brady. I mean, he was a six round pick. No, I think- she's saying adulation that he wants to be the I, center of attention. Yeah, I, I don't. You think he's I going, going against his son? No, I, I think as a player, he was not. Uh, he was famously not about me. He was about the team. I, I, I believe that. Uh, maybe I'm a sucker. Uh, maybe we've all been. Maybe we all got got by Tom Brady, and this has just been one big, you know, facade he was putting I mean, on. Meanwhile, on the inside, he just wants. A, he wants all the cameras. Maybe. I he- mean, listen. He famously was even when he became a super, super, superstar, a world famous guy. I think he still was a pretty good team guy. And by the way, do you agree that Mahomes and Purdy are humble? I totally agree with that, and I think there's reasons for it too. Purdy, obviously, Mr. Irrelevant. I think he's known that uh, I'm kind of, Mahomes was not like a golden yeah. star as a child. I think he came up from kind of nowhere as well. This so is, I believe that humility thing with both these quarterbacks as well. Uh, sorry to cut you off. Yeah. This is the you and I will have this discussion until we're 90 years old. These guys are all stone cold killers underneath. I, yeah, yeah. I, you can be humble in the, in the media. You can be humble outside. You can yeah. be humble even in your personal life, but on the football field and in their role as quarterback. I mean, Kyle Shanahan said, even Brock Purdy, super confident, borderline on cocky. That's his own coach when they asked, how is Brock here? How is he, you know, succeeding? I think Mahomes, you can say all the right things and you can have the right spirit, but once they're on that field, these guys have to be so sure of themselves or else they would never meet the moment. Yeah, see, I, I, I think it's not humble might not be the word. Humility is the word. Like, I think they understand that, you know, this, 
the opposite of grandiose. They understand like, hey, uh, we're lucky to be here. I, I think there's, I'm having trouble describing exactly, but there is a humility that is very common among great athletes. Steph Curry, uh, I think, believe it or not, don't Le- say MJ. Do not. Or no, I'm going to have to leave. Yeah, no, no, no. There's a humility. I MJ totally. like. There's he A humility with Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan was defined by the way he came up. He was JV and junior. Like that, that yeah, was, and he used that as a chip to try to bring on all comers. If you think of all the great athletes, they all overcame sort of tough situations. Nobody except for, like Trevor Lawrence had everything handed to him on a silver spoon. He was the, the real deal from ninth grade. That is that is not the way it happens. All the great athletes came from humble beginnings. Do you think and I think that Michael, humility. You think of Michael Jordan punching a teammate in practice showed that he was a had a lot of humility. The single most important thing in Michael Jordan's career is the fact that he didn't make varsity in high school. That was okay. The that's defining. part of his origin story, but he found a slight with everything. If but, it hadn't been that, I don't even know if that story's true. By the way, I know it is, but I wouldn't be surprised at this point if it's just made up. That he would have found a slight with every single yes, person because it, that's humility. Yeah, exactly. Like he's always that underdog. He always understands that. Like, listen. I'm the guy who has to outwork everybody. Otherwise, I'm not going to make Wait, it. Wait, hold on. No, no, no. This Michael That's Jordan, Jordan to the T. Humility is not, I'm going to go to the ends of the earth to shove this in your face and prove you wrong. Yes. How is that humility? It's, I don't think that beats our Merriam-Webster's definition of the word. The humility of Michael Jordan is like he never he never said I'm a star. This is handed to me. He was the opposite. He's like no, he I, worked for he, it. He, yes, but, but he didn't just work for it. He like, was He cocky. was upset. He see I don't think he was cocky I think he was confident cocky implies that you don't actually back it up he was that kid who got cut from JV throughout his whole career that's why he was always he never let go it didn't matter if he was playing that weird security guard in the dock he was always that kid who was not good enough that's what okay that's inferiority complex that's not a humility thing but it's a humility it's humility if you could be the best player in the world and still outwork everyone on your team there's a humility in that i guess but is it a humility to be in a vegas an an atlantic city casino until three o'clock in the morning and then go play a playoff game and then well i I mean it's also a (laughs) it's also a gambling addict i mean that plays into it there's (laughs) nothing I, i when i think of a athlete who displays humility Michael Jordan does not come I to mind. He, he was, I'm going to bury you. I'm going to bury you again. Then I'm going to embarrass you. Then I'm going to embarrass you again to make sure you never forget this moment in time when I, Michael Jordan, embarrassed you. So, but humility in the sense of I'm the best player in the world. I'm not going to act like it. To me, like Michael Jordan carried around that kid who didn't get get on the varsity team his entire life. Steph Curry is the same. Poll question. Yeah. Do you consider I, Michael Jordan I don't think you guys, a humble athlete? But yeah, I'm not sure you guys understand the difference between humble and humility. No, they're, they're I totally understand different hard, qualities hard altogether. work. I get it. Yeah. Still feeling like you need to outwork your opponent, but I don't see Michael Jordan as displaying humility yeah. in the way he carried he, himself. I almost, feel like, I almost feel like the way you're describing humility, it almost makes me sound, he sounds driven. I don't think that's humility. Yeah. Like, like he's, he was driven to be the best. So he's that's, not taking things for granted. Right. He wants so to play every night, not, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I, don't, yeah if, I don't go to humility with him, well, only because of what Maggie was mentioning, all the ways he will remind you. I, I heard a story earlier where he walked in the gym, and he uh, Byron Scott was hurt, and he's like, who's guarding me tonight? Yeah. He's like, uh, Anthony Peel. He's like, 50. Jordan's a tough one. <laughs> and then told him he's going to get 50 on the court, and then got 50. 50. Jordan's a tough one, but Brady is the classic example. Brady is still that six-round pick to this. Watch the way he's preparing for Fox. He, he's not preparing like a guy with seven rings. He's preparing like a guy who lost his starting job in Michigan. There's just a like, common quality among all these guys. Aaron Rodgers is the guy who got no scholarship offers, and that is who these guys are. And that's who I think Mahomes and Purdy, like, they do not. Do you think they're cocky or confident? 
We're going to have to take yeah. a break. We yeah. will answer that question. We want you to be in on this question. 855-212-4CBS. 855-212-4227. The greatest athletes and humility. Those things go together. Not to me, but to Perloff, definitely. Give us a call. 855-212-4CBS. Coming up, we've got your Super Bowl bulletin. The news you need to know before the big game. Don't move. It's Maggie and Perloff, CBS Sports Radio. Welcome back to Maggie and Perloff, live from Radio Row here in Las Vegas. Going to be honest, it's a little quiet now. You don't hear that din in the background of superstars walking around because we're early. But wait, can I tell you yeah. what I just saw in the ladies' room? Oh no, it wasn't me because I didn't walk <laughs> no, no, EJ didn't walk in the ladies' room today. Thankfully, <laughs> you got it right now. Uh, somebody was asleep in one of the stalls, what? like laying on the ground. <laughs> it is early here. I want to call security. I kind of get it. I think in it was Radio a, Row. It was a security person. Oh wow! <laughs> Not naming any. I have no idea who it was, but I could see the a color of their jacket. I got to tell you. Um, <laughs> like, I've never thought to lay down in a bathroom stall. You must really be sleepy. I want to say something nice about Mandalay Bay Convention Center here in Las Vegas. Very nice bathrooms. Yes. Every uh, sure. you Sometimes Media Row bathrooms are kind of a mess. This one is so far so good. Vegas uh, killing it in the bathrooms. Can I, can I be that guy? Yeah. And I hope uh, Andrew Bogus is not listening. My hotel room, not ideal. <laughs> I, uh, What's the matter? You got like uh, well, weird stains? Well, I have three hangers for everything. And oh, I talked how to, are you going to live? I walked around with other reporters last night. They're like, yeah, I don't have any hangers either. And for some reason, I can't bring myself to call the front desk and say, could I have some more hangers? I'm going to just get, they're never coming. Yeah. <laughs> oh. You guys, that's the other thing. You My, really can't complain about hangers. You can complain about a leak. You can complain about noisy neighbors. You can complain about weird smells. You can well, complain about we got weird all hair. I got all like that. that. <laughs> all that. <laughs> hangers, you really can't complain about. Well, yeah. So the, the neighbors are basically in my room. I don't even <laughs> understand what's going on. You there. live with them now. Yeah, I, it's, it's hard to sleep. Uh, yes, uh, I don't know. Is anyone cleaning any of the rooms? Have, no. Am I going to have to clean my own room here? <laughs> so, God, am I the worst? I'm just the worst. And it was raining Bogish, all day yesterday. Bogish may have just gotten up and walked out. Walked yeah. out. Are you there, Andrew? <laughs> yeah, I'm fine. This is a real problem. I would need many hangers, too, so I actually have sympathy for you here. Wow, the sarcasm is dripping. From no, no, voice. that's a true set. I'm, I'm a big ironing guy. Like, you yeah. need hangers. This is a call you need no, no. to make or I'd go buy some. I could tell. He was, <laughs> that was genuine. We're at Target? What are you doing? Yeah, I'm assuming uh, they have stores in Vegas. Go buy a, you know, a handful of hangers for three, three bucks <laughs> and there you go. Bogus. I, I know we are in New York, but it'll cost you three times as much to buy hangers here than in New York. Yeah. It, the prices are it's okay. outrageous. Can I ask you a question, Bogus? Have you ever had this problem? I used the iron yesterday in my hotel room. Uh, on a green sport jacket that I wore to opening night, and Maggie also was wearing a green sport jacket, which was kind of weird. But uh, <laughs> We didn't plan it, but people thought we did. And Anyway, I think there was something on the iron that stained my jacket that I'm now going to have to throw out, and that happens to me in hotels all the time. I'm telling you guys, can I just give you the life hack of all life hacks? Yeah. you got to get on board with the steamer. I know. Yeah. I actually was oh. going to call you and say, can I borrow that steamer again? But I do that every Super Bowl. <laughs> and every road trip we go on, multiple drafts, yeah, everywhere yeah. we go. You're like, can I borrow that steamer? So again? last I'm night, I'm one. sitting in my hotel room. I'm like, I'm actually going to use this iron. And then I'm like... Was that big white dot there yesterday? <laughs> so I think I, I think I ruined my sport jacket. I'm actually really sad about it because uh, I love that jacket. It's like, was this sticky gum? Has that been on this the whole time? Yeah, yeah. And you Can't know trust how the iron. you know how you press that button that the steam comes out of the iron. You mm. never know what's going to come out of a hotel <laughs> iron. It's like a cigarette like smoke. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what. That's the other thing. Getting used to. I, you know, I just for so much of our lives, just people don't smoke inside, and yeah. like the ventilation is good. But it's it's uh it's like oh yeah Vegas you can't smoke indoors here. <laughs> yeah, 
By the way, casino if it, that we walk through to get it. It's wild. I think maybe maybe the trip to San Antonio, Victor Wembanyama wins Rookie of the Year is back on. Now that I know that Bogus respects the need to to uh, hang up clothes in a hotel room. No, this is terrible for you guys. How are you going to split all those hangers? It's yeah, going to be a question. fight to the death. <laughs> <laughs> Bogus a big hang, He just said hangar, he would go out upper. and buy his own on the road. I mean, this is a man who's going to find hangers. Uh, Bogus, before we get to you, let's quickly do our Super Bowl bulletin. Okay, quick news from yesterday regarding the Super Bowl. Obviously, fans got very, uh, well, some got agitated because there were a couple games this year that were streaming only. And obviously, we're used to Fox, uh, Amazon rather doing Thursday night, but Peacock and the you know Peacock-only streams, especially in the playoffs. Roger Goodell says the Super Bowl will not be streamed as long as he's commissioner. Let's put that caveat in. Super Bowl will not be streamed, but as far as other playoff games and games being streamed, he basically said, "Listen, this is the this is the way of the future, and we're not going to turn on the money." We talked. I paraphrase that. We talked to LA Times Sam Farmer yesterday. who asked that question. He said an important caveat. He read into the way Goodell said that will not be streamed while I am the commissioner, which might be a year or two more, or what's his extension? Like three years at the most. So that means within four years, it's a whole new ball game. Sam did say that the numbers blew them away from the streaming this year, that the trend is going to be much more streaming, which is sucks. I know. I love how Goodell is like, listen, we have to meet our customers where they are. Yeah. I'm like, I don't think they were there. I think we all went there to watch that Chargers game. Did you read when Goodell said or, that yeah, the, the Super the, Bowl will not, will not be streamed when I'm commissioner? While I'm commissioner, I read that as like, I am never going to allow. But I think he was saying, while I'm commissioner, so the next guy in, in three years might have a different opinion. And, I actually wonder if he's getting pressure from the NFL owners to go to streaming because maybe this will be something he's saying, look, this is something I fought them on and I'm not fighting them anymore on this. So, Well, Peacock paid them $100 million for one playoff game, right. Chiefs-Dolphins. It's wild, the money. So if you guys know in media circles, it's a really famous name. John Skipper ran ESPN for a long time and now works with Dan Levitard's show and, and Meadowlark and said he thought and he believes that at one point in the not-too-distant future, the Super Bowl will be a pay-per-view event. Yeah, it makes and, sense. I mean, he's got more media experience than all of us combined. Okay, back to Bogish headlines. Hello, sir. Hello again. So basically anybody is allowed into Super Bowl media night from dudes that cry in the Elvis Chapel to 11-year-old phenom journalists. You might have heard of Jeremiah Fennell before. He was working last night for NFL Network. Here's his backstory. Well, I started to do this at the age of seven years old because I wasn't able to play sports due to some medical issues, but I still like the sports environment, so I decided to hone my craft in journalism at the age of seven, and I started my YouTube channel. And yes, I do think that I can um, keep this as a career because I do still love the sport and I do know a lot about it, so I think that interviewing people could be a long a long career for me. Uh, this kid's the best. All my media yeah. friends, I think even you guys taking pictures being like seven, eight, nine layers of people removed from the podium. He's getting on the podium one-on-ones, particularly last night with the two tight ends that'll play on Sunday. He went rapid fire with George Kittle asking who was better in certain things, him or Travis Kelsey. Sunday, February 11th, 2024, right here in Allegiant Stadium, 65,000 roaring fans in attendance and tens yeah. of millions of fans watching at home. Yeah. Whose significant other is going to get more attention during the game than the actual player? Uh, and, <laughs> and then it was Trav's turn. So one thing that I noticed about you is that whether you're on the field or the sidelines, you bring all the energy to the team. 
<laughs> you are like the life of the party. You seem like you would be the type of person to enjoy my city. So my final question to you is, what are some of the funnest things you've done in Vegas so far? This kid's 11. He's tiny. Wow. He's wearing a shirt and a tie. I couldn't do that Four times his age. He's on the stage with Travis Kelsey, surrounded by all the media and the cameras, and he just kept asking perfect question after perfect question. He's the best. Get out of here. Why are you guys supporting this kid? What? Uh, screw this kid. Oh, my God. I, uh, as screw I said, this kid yeah. and Mark. Yeah, I'll tell you why. Just clip that. No content. I'm posting with Maggie tomorrow from Radio. Don't tag me in that. I said Sirianni's kids, not this this kid I love. Maggie remembers this kid earned it. When we were at Sports Illustrated, the day Pablo Torre walked in, I'm like, screw him. I hate people who are way younger than me and talented. Why you would support young and talented? Even 11-year-olds? Why you would support younger and talented people who are going to take your job? I don't understand. Like That dude's better than me at 11. Why would I support him? Why would I be a fan of him? I have to openly hate him. Can I add a little more context to this kid because we've seen him now for a couple Super Bowls and he, he does a great job. He also has no notes. Right. So all those questions he's asking and all the open, yeah. the you know, the stuff that he's clearly like rehearsed yeah. it, but no notes. Another reason not to like him. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. though, I think I think his age helps him there because I think as you get older, your memory loses. You got to write down as much stuff as you can. At least I know I do. Amen. And so I think that's something where it's almost like as. It's almost like a performance enhancer being that young. His you memory is all fresh. Yeah. It's not clogged with yeah. like random NFL and baseball stats. Oh, like weird me, stuff like rap lyrics from 2005 <laughs> that I can remember easily, but I can't remember what I did for breakfast. You know? yeah. I don't know why people in this industry always say like, oh, it's important to me to pass along my knowledge to younger people. No, no, no. You pass <laughs> you along the knowledge. If you find, if you know, if you're, I know EJ, you teach a class. If you see a kid who has no talent at all, give him all the advice. But if you see the talented kid, all you say Get out of this industry now as fast as you can. <laughs> there are so, only limited number of jobs here. People got to smarten up and stop supporting this kid. <laughs> Come on, bogus. You know what? Someone had to say it. Yeah, yeah. Curl yeah. off apparently. No, I'm the, only, I'm the only honest person in this industry. Screw that kid. <laughs> you know what? You deserve no hangers. <laughs> I think now Bogus now Bogus doesn't want to go to San Antonio. Absolutely the tables not. have turned now. Nope. It's, no, it's no longer Perloff saying Bogus isn't allowed. And, and remember that kid said this is his city, so you better watch out. Through this uh, kid. He said you're in my city, so no, if that kid comes after me, I have no chance. <laughs> Forget it. You you wonder how you're gonna get canceled. <laughs> this I'm not gonna, no, 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 no. This is how it happens. I mean, I just can't stand people who are that young and that talented. They're the worst. Through <laughs> this kid. <laughs> yes. Oh God! I mean, come on, leave some for the for us old people. Come on, <laughs> don't be better than us. Screw this kid, jerk. And his YouTube channel, which I'm sure. Has yeah, yeah, which is probably incredibly of... entertaining. <laughs> the worst. You got anything else? Uh, another top that. Another Harbaugh is making the move to the NFL. Jim's son Jay is now the Seahawks special teams coordinator. He had that same job for his dad the last five seasons at Michigan. And he worked with new Seattle head coach Mike McDonald, both in Ann Arbor and in Baltimore. Yeah, he really did a bang-up job, too, by almost costing him the uh, semifinal. <laughs> <Read> this kid. <laughs> now that... <laughs> I mean, didn't everyone think... if Before we knew that Jay Harbaugh was the special teams coach at Michigan, didn't everyone think... Oh, that special teams coordinator is getting fired at yeah. halftime. And then you look up, it's like, oh, it's Jay Harbaugh. Yeah. Never mind. That is the way this industry works. Oh, man, I feel bad for the Seahawks, yeah, Steve man. Belichick yesterday, now this guy. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, Clay Thompson was not on the floor as the Warriors closed out a 109-98 win in Brooklyn last night. Other guys just playing better right now. Steve Kerr on trying to get Clay right again. You know, I'd like to get uh, some of our depth back uh, so that we can, you know, give him a little more rest and, you know, maybe not play him on some back-to-backs. Try to, you know, ease the load that he has. Clay talked about this as well post game. Uh, the audio quality is not good enough to play, but the dude's heartbroken. He looked it; you could hear it in his voice. He knows he's not good enough right now, and he does not like sitting on the bench when the game matters. Screw this guy! <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Another wildly talented kid yeah. at one point. Yeah, it's, it, that's going to be. This is going to be one of the most awkward, I think, free agencies we've seen in a while. Oh, this Clay. is a you know a a legend. You no, know, this guy's a multiple-time champion, multiple-time all-star, and I don't know what kind of offers he's going to get this offseason. No, but, I mean, oh, well, that is going to be one thing. But the running mate, and I know Clay is an amazing all-time player. I'm not trying to marginalize him that he's just Steph's running mate. But, you know, he was the 1A to Steph's 1, and the running mates don't always get to finish their career the way we think. But isn't it crazy, though, that we just saw Draymond Green sign for $100 million? They can't quit Draymond Green. <laughs> but they're Clay, obsessed with Draymond Clay Thompson, Green. Thompson, they're going to throw, 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 throw him out. Like, he's not going to be back you know, this year, I don't think. Maybe he should start kicking people and punching people. I know, and yeah. Give $100 million. <laughs> you know, we had someone on the show at the beginning of the season who said they are bringing back Clay and that they that they are going to pay him. But now it seems like it's not headed that and direction. And that person was Michael Thompson. No, I'm just who kidding. They're going to give him 200 No. Uh, we have talked to Michael was Thompson. Varden? He's great. Like, was it Joe Varden, I think, maybe? Yeah, he uh, said, like, yeah. oh, yeah. yeah he was he like, they're definitely bringing back Clay. Oh, yeah, that was Joe Varden. Like, yeah. they're bringing back Clay. Uh, I got to tell you, I wouldn't mind Clay on my team. I, I feel mind, like I which team is that? Maybe, uh, the Sixers. Like, I think uh, I think he could be Great a, question, Bogus, <laughs> from Mr. Bandwagon. <laughs> Thank a, you for clarifying <laughs> that, because you never know. Perloff could be talking about, you know, the lower Marion High. Right. He can't go to the Houston Cougars next year, just so you know. <laughs> That's not funny. Screw Bogus. <laughs> <laughs> Salty Perloff. I'm a little tired. Yeah, don't mess with me. But I got to be honest. If Clay, if, you, if Clay doesn't have to be a three or four, like he could be your little sniper off the bench, Ray at, late Ray Allen yeah. style, sign me up. Bogus, anything else, sir? No, I'm good for now. I think you did a great job. Thank We've you. got a lot more coming back, uh, including a coaching question that is looming over this game and season. We'll get to that in just a moment. It's Maggie and Perloff. We are live from the Mandalay Bay Convention Center. You also are welcome to go and vote on our poll question for today. It's about Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady. The question, does Patrick Mahomes need seven Super Bowl titles to pass Tom Brady as the GOAT? Is this simply a ring chase, or can Mahomes' other attributes, the athleticism, other things push him past Brady. You're welcome to go vote. Again, you can call us 855-212-4CBS. Don't move. More Maggie and Perloff in just moments. All right. The Defensive Player of the Week is sponsored by Navy Federal Credit Union, who proudly serves the Armed Forces, DOD, veterans, and their families. Their members are the mission. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. Defensive Player of the Week. Okay. By the way, props to Carlos on the Shakira. That's, That's a cool track. Anyway, we're doing Super Bowl halftime show music. Oh, Sorry, right, right, defensive right. player. I don't want to get distracted. Okay, so I've been spending a lot of time with EJ, and I understand the kind <laughs> yeah. of the sports he's been consuming. You guys have spent more time together than, like, we're all kind of, you know, all three of us are spending a lot of time together, yeah. which is great. But you two were on the same flight, and you had all these flight issues. Well, no, we, we la- the flight was great. We landed an hour early, <laughs> but we couldn't get out of the airport because no cars were allowed to leave because Joe Biden was landing. Right, so you spend two hours in the airport just, yeah. like, you know, 
arguing about basketball. So I think I have an edge on Navy Federal <laughs> Defense Player of the Week. I see the floor to you. So it is a complicated one, a controversial one, if you will. Because I know that he's dying to give Stanford center Cameron Brink is her name, uh, Defense Player of the Week. And she's had, I looked just looked it up, 15 blocks in her last two games. Oh, wow. The issue is that she let... Uh, Juju on USC scored 51 points. Ah. So you can't give it to her. Otherwise, she's a, a blocking machine. So I think he went the other side, men's basketball. Zach Eady, who's three blocks for Purdue, led them past Wisconsin on Saturday. I think Zach Eady is your defensive player of the week. Interesting choice. Maggie, do you have a, you have a pick here? How am I going to top that? <laughs> so this week's defensive player of the week is Demario Davis, who is the MVP of the Pro Bowl. What? Was, oh, get out of here. MVP. Was he really? He was the defensive the MVP. The score was 62 to 54. I know, but he was the defensive MVP of the Pro Bowl. Now, look, they don't keep any defensive stats in the Pro Bowl, so I don't know what how they judge that. But <laughs> it is, EJ, it's, it's flag football. And it's, it was, the, it's the only football game we have, and we're in a football venue. So <laughs> I felt like it was important to do football. Look, I, I thought about Nick Claxton last night. He had seven blocks, but he also got ejected. And I didn't want to give uh, Bogus the, the, the satisfaction of giving him a net, especially a guy who got thrown out of the game. So I had to disqualify Nick Claxton. So I'm like, well, what happened with football? I was like, all right, we had a game. A game was played. It was a flag football game. An exhibition. Uh, Perloff laid out that case for Defensive Player of the Week like you were up on the in the courtroom. Well, like, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I know yeah. the defendant. Well, it's time for us to up our game. Now, once football goes away next week, you're going to have to get weird with Defensive Player of the Week. You know, you're going to well, have to go to weird. hockey goalies. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you have. I've, been, I've been doing NBA guys during a week eight of the NFL season, you've been giving me crap for it every week. <laughs> oh, look who's getting defensive right now. Maybe EJ, the defensive producer of the week here. The new award that we're but, uh, giving out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, EJ, EJ and I have been... I mean, we just don't see eye to eye on basketball in any sense of the word. No, which you won't. It made it for a long stay in Las Vegas. Like, I'm sure people were like, why are these two okay. people fighting over Jalen Brunson? Who cares? <laughs> Overhearing you. It's only a five-hour flight. Um... This is another thing I know you guys don't see eye to eye on, and I don't know if any of us have the same uh, opinion about this, a football-related thing, which is why the Washington Commanders decide to go with Cliff Kingsbury as the offensive coordinator and passing over Eric Bieniemy, who had the mm. job. I think there's a lot of people out there who appreciate what Cliff Kingsbury did in college, even if he didn't have a winning program, uh, understand that he's a good offensive mind. But why he would get this over enemy and Dan Quinn said, you know, this is what it is. Yeah, I get don't, it. Don't kind of understand what, what do they see in, in Cliff Kingsbury that you don't see in Biennemi. <laughs> it's not about that. It's about you're Dan Quinn. You're taking over. Why would you want a force like Eric Biennemi on your staff? You know, you have to establish your identity as a head coach. You don't need a guy with a bunch of Super Bowl rings who's this, you know, very successful offensive coordinator who's not you. It's like when you're president, you want to, you don't want a vice president. So you think this is challenged. an ego move? Not an ego move. I think it was a job security, and uh, he's got to be the voice for this team. And you can't be the voice for this team when you have Eric Bieniemy there. Okay, but I think you need to bring in a lesser offensive coordinator. I'm being dead serious. I know, but this that that logic is super flawed because the only way that you are going to avoid having this person take your job is by winning games. They don't fire. Yeah. winning head coaches to just elevate the offensive coordinator. Your offense coordinator might leave and go to another job, but you're not getting fired because you picked right on a coach. Who's better for the team? Is but it why would, or Cliff's But Eric why Kingsbury? would he 
I mean, it's not like he's inheriting the enemy, though. You want your own. You want guys that are loyal to you. I do think there is something organizationally about having everything funnel straight to the head coach. And Eric Bieniemy is already there. It's established stuff with the players. It, it just doesn't work from a leadership standpoint to me. The other thing too is Cliff. I mean, assume now everyone kind of assumes that Washington's going to get Jaden Daniels and number two. It feels like Cliff's, uh, Cliff and that kind of spread offense would be a good fit for him. Bieniemy as well. But I think that seems like a great marriage. Uh, a guy like that is born to play in a Kingsbury offense. Okay, but I mean, I, I, I guess. But I also don't think that Eric Manemi can only play one way, number yeah. one. I think that a good coach tailors his stuff to the players that he has on the field. And that was a little bit of a criticism of Biennemi, like, oh, you're running, you're having Sam Howell run Patrick Mahomes stuff. But for a while, Sam Howell could actually execute a lot of that. They had a good start of the season, and, and then it sort of tailed off at the end. Yeah, I mean... But I think the yeah. enemy could, could show you a little more. Nah, I'm you, surprised you, that Kingsbury keeps getting hired when he has no results to show for it. All the offensive players would go straight to the enemy with everything. Why would Quinn want that? Interesting. 855-212-4CBS. 855-212-4227. Okay, we get back into the quarterbacks playing in the Super Bowl. Will Brock Purdy shed the whole game manager nickname and moniker with a Super Bowl win? Get to that next one. 